set. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I love you. I love you. I love you. Break it down like this. Welcome to Parenting with Patricia. Twice monthly conversations, insight, and advice on raising happy, resilient children. Your host, Patricia Pearson, LCSW. If you have a problem, question, or comment that you would like Patricia to address on the show, email parentingwithpatricia at gmail.com. Welcome to Parenting with Patricia. This is episode number one, and I am your host, Patricia Pearson. If you are a parent, I know you are busy, so I am glad that you have a moment to be with us today. Whether you're in your car on the way to work, walking your dog, pushing a stroller, waiting for practice to be over, or cooking dinner, I'm glad that you care about your child, and I'm glad that you are here. I've been working with children, teens, and families for over 20 years. I have a practice in Fairfax, Virginia, and one of the best parts of my job is working with parents. I can't think of anyone more important than a mom or a dad. So I've created this podcast and it's for you. It's a podcast for parents. Each episode addresses your needs and your concerns. Each episode, I'll be interviewing people that know parents and have the information that you want to hear. Today, I'll be talking with Jennifer Glycel, a licensed clinical social worker and a play therapist, and we will be discussing parenting after divorce. If you are a divorced parent, today's interview will help you deal with your feelings and help you manage parenting with your ex in another home. If you're not divorced, I encourage you to listen in as well. Divorce is everywhere, and you never know when this information will help you help a friend. As always, later in the show, I'll be hearing from parents. I'll be answering emails with questions. Remember to email me your questions to parentingwithpatricia at gmail.com. I would be happy to help you with your parenting concerns. A parent who is divorced is riddled with emotions. There's anxiety and guilt about how the divorce could affect their child's future. Feelings of guilt and concern are common for divorced parents. We worry. We want our child to be happy, and it's hard to watch them having difficulties. We have thoughts like, what if my child doesn't know how to be in a relationship when they grow up? What if the pain of the divorce causes them to turn to drugs? What if they fall behind in school? What if they get depressed or anxious? When I hear parents what these what-ifs, I tell them, your child is going to be just fine. The fact that you're empathetic and thinking about the experience from your child's perspective tells me he's going to be just fine. Divorce is not a decision that was chosen lightly. The marriage ended for a reason, a good reason. Back in the day, we used to say, let's stay together for the kids. We know now that that's BS. If staying together is not good for two adults, it certainly isn't good for kids. No matter how much you pretend things are fine, kids are smart enough to know what's going on. It's hard for kids to watch parents fighting. It's easier to live with relaxed, single parents who are present in their children's lives. Life is full of challenges and hard moments. 
That's life. It's part of growing up, regardless if your parents are together or apart. Remember that you made the best choice possible. Acknowledging your feelings of guilt and then refocus that energy on managing your new life with a child in their two different homes. Okay, let's hear from you. Now is the time in the show when I answer emails from parents. If you would like me to answer your questions or address your parenting concerns, remember to email your questions to parentingwithpatricia at gmail.com. Today's email comes from Meltdowns at the Bus Stop Mom. She writes, My first grader is doing great at school. She loves school. Her teacher reports that she's well-behaved, loves learning, and is a friendly, helpful student. She is academically on grade level and has friends in her class. Yet every morning, she throws a fit when I take her to the bus stop. When the bus arrives, she usually sobs and refuses to get on the bus. I don't mind taking her to school, but she still cries when we get to the building. She says she misses me too much. It breaks my heart, and I have a really hard time breaking away myself. How can I put an end to these bus stop blues? Oh my, I am so sorry. This sounds like really stressful mornings for you and for your little girl. The good news is it sounds like she's having a good day at school. And the even better news is she loves learning. Sometimes it's hard for children to make this huge transition from safe, comfortable home to school, something new and very structured. I know this is really hard for you, Mom. It's painful to see your child so upset. You probably feel all kinds of emotions, sad, overwhelmed, frustrated, angry, and you might even feel guilty. But remember that adjusting to anything takes time. Mom, make sure you get your emotions into check first. And then stay upbeat when get ready for school. Highlight some of the fun things about the school day, the playground, the books she gets to read, the games they play. Try packing fun lunches with special treats or include a family photo or special sticky note. When you're walking to the bus stop, create a special ritual. Kids love this. I remember when my daughter was in kindergarten, on the way to the bus, we would always sing So Yesterday by Hilary Duff. We knew all the words. Another thing you can do is count the steps together to the bus stop and then have your own special goodbye. One hug, two winks, and a high five. Or maybe one spin, a handshake, and a see you later, alligator. Let her make it up and have fun with it. Another way to make the transitions easier for your child is to give them a special item that they can keep with them at school, a piece of jewelry, a trinket in their backpack. Sometimes it can be something of theirs, or if they're talking about missing you, maybe something of yours, a hair clip, a bracelet. But make sure you check with the teacher first, because sometimes there's rules about what they can and can't bring to school. But for the most part, I think teachers are understanding when they know that the child is struggling with her transition from home to school. Another important thing is to let your daughter know what you and her will do together when you get home from school. We're going to eat cookies when you get home and play cards. Or when you get home, we're going to ride bikes together. And most importantly, let them know that you will be so excited to hear about how their day went. 
Be patient, Mom. It will get better. I remember those days. And my son is getting married now, and my daughter just left for college this year. They do grow up, and they do learn to separate. It just takes time. Today, I'm sitting down with psychotherapist and play therapist Jennifer Glassell. Jennifer is a licensed clinical social worker and a registered play therapist with over 10 years experience working with children, adolescents, and adults. She received training in Jungian therapy and Sandtray therapy in addition to the training required to become a play therapist. She practices in Falls Church, Virginia, and sees many families after divorce and provides excellent strategies to help parents and ways to help children manage their life living in two homes. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being with us today. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what play therapy is and what it is exactly that you do? So play therapy is a way to work with children. I work with children as young as three, using their own language to work through their emotions and help them understand the things that are going on in their lives. When I work with children, I invite them into my office, which has lots of toys of different types, including two sand trays. Um, and I give them the rules that are they can say anything and do almost anything. And then the child begins to do what they would like to do. By doing this, I'm working to create a safe environment for, for children of all ages to work through their deepest feelings and improve their ability to manage these big feelings. They use their primary language, which is play, and I'm able to speak that language with them, sometimes speaking back by participating in the play and sometimes using words to translate what they're saying. You know, I do play therapy too, and I think it is amazing how it works. And sometimes kids um, come in and they play, and parents don't really understand, but um, you explain explained it perfectly, and I think it's great for children that have these issues, um, especially like in divorced families. Now, today's episode, we're talking about parenting after divorce, and divorce is, it's the end of a relationship, and it really is like a death for many parents. Um, they might feel sad and angry and overwhelmed, and then as a parent, I notice that they're a lot less patient. The children, the child's behavior is likely to be affected as well. And how do you see children being affected by divorce? What can we tell parents that they should expect to see? No, I think saying that divorce is the end is, is really important because it is the end of something for everyone involved. For the parents, it's the end of that relationship. For the child, it's the end of their family as they know it. And that can be very confusing if my parents can stop loving each other, maybe they can stop loving me too, is often a fear that I see in children, but one that they don't know how to express out loud. The fact is, children respond differently to every situation, and divorce is no different. Uh, some children actually feel relief when their parents divorce mm. because there is a decrease in tension and conflict in the home. Sometimes children that I'm seeing um, actually improve once the divorce process starts to happen because they had been holding and acting out all of that tension. On the other hand, sometimes children have no idea that this is coming and so are shocked and surprised, and it destroys their ability to believe in the safety of what they know. 
if my family can fall apart, what else is going to fall apart? Mm. And this underlying security they have can be taken away. And of course, there are some kids who, no matter what's going on, just roll with it. You're not going to see anything. (laughs) And other kids are truly going to act out all of these feelings through their behaviors. One of the things that parents will often see is their children testing the relationship between parent and child, pushing back in ways that they never did before, acting out in ways they didn't before. And often this behavior is saying, hey, are you still here for me? Hey, will you still love me no matter what? Um, And so it's important for parents to begin to take a look at what is this behavior from my child telling me and how is this a result of the, the changes that are going on in their lives. I like that. Every behavior a child has is usually telling us something, isn't it? It is. It's truly a child's way of communicating. In fact, it's a people's way of communicating. Mm-hmm. We often, I have an image in my head of we often take our feelings and throw them at one another when we mm-hmm. don't know what to do with them ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so as parents, when we can receive those p- feelings and separate them from our own, we can really help our children. Right, right. You know, I often see single parents oversharing with their child. They're talking too much about their personal life, about the relationship with their ex. But on the other hand, I see some single parents that hide their feelings and kind of make the situation seem like everything is just fine and it's, it's unrealistic. And they don't share any difficulties. Which do you think is better? And is there a way that parents can balance this? Neither is better, honestly. I think that that second question, how can parents balance this, is really the key. How do you balance knowledge with keeping grown-up stuff among the grown-ups? I often advise parents that whatever they can do to put their child first in these moments thinking about their child's age and developmental level and who their child is. If they can center their child, they won't go wrong. Find a place as a parent to deal with your own feelings. Find your own therapist. Work through your own stuff um, so that you can really be present for your child. Listen first. If you can give facts in an age-appropriate manner and then listen to what comes back from your child and respond to that. If you can do that, it is much easier to hold the boundaries and create that balance. Mm-hmm. You say in an age-appropriate manner. You know, I often have parents will ask me, well, what should I tell them? We're separating. We're getting a divorce. And then I've worked with kids who they come in and their parents have been divorced for years and they don't even know the word divorce. So how do you feel about telling them the words or... I think the words are important. I think we need to use the, the actual words that apply to situations. The way we then define those words might change. Uh, the way we talk about the reasons why might change. But I think the fact is there are many kids with divorced parents, and so having the language they, a common language they can use with each other and with their friends. Uh, my parents don't live together anymore. My parents are getting a divorce. Why? Again, based on age, they don't love each other anymore. Their relationship isn't good anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, for older teens, they hate each other and they're mm-hmm. just better off apart. Whatever it is that is appropriate for your child at that point. Is it common for parents to change their parenting style after divorce? You know, I see parents feeling so guilty about 
um, the divorce and how it is affecting their child. And so I could see them maybe giving consequences that aren't as hard as before or skipping consequences altogether. What's the danger in this? The potential for a change in parenting style in and of itself isn't necessarily a problem. Sometimes parents, when they're parenting together, do parent differently than if they were a single parent because they're working in a different system. Mm -hmm. So a change might be okay. Consistency is what's important. So if one's going to change their parenting style, they need to be consistent in the new parenting style. If they're not giving consequences for something one day, they can't start the next. It's really important for parents to set good boundaries around safety, around what the rules are, around what the parent wants the rules to be, and then hold those boundaries. There's a lot of testing of boundaries after a divorce because, again, it's this message, are you going to keep me no matter what? You know, My dad made you mad. If I make you mad, will you get rid of me too? Um, and they're looking for their parents to be able to handle these big, big feelings that the child can't handle. And they do that through pushing the boundaries and testing and saying, all right, can you handle this too? So the parent remaining consistent, giving consequences for things, actually provides that safety. It says to the child, I'm here for you. I've got you no matter what. Mm -hmm. I am here. And that can be really healing for the child through this process. I think that's great advice. And I also think that goes back to what you had said about having a stable environment, that it fell apart. And if things are all going to change, you know, other consequences going to change or the way you treat me going to change. So I think consistency um, kind of goes with that. Absolutely. What I hear the most from parents is how difficult it is to co-parent. That seems the word that they want. You know, we want to be a co-parent. And they expect their child to follow the same rules in both homes. Of course, it's beneficial if we can work together and collaborate when it comes to parenting our child, if possible. We can let our ex know how our concerns are and stay open and listen to his or her concerns. But often this is really difficult because, I mean, if parents could be that cooperative with each other, then they would probably still be together. So what are your suggestions for parents that want to co-parent? That's, I often tell parents who are divorced, look, if this was easy, you would still be married. This wouldn't be a problem for you. And so the, the issues that were coming up in the marriage often continue to co come up when they're trying to co-parent. So there are a few things that I recommend. If it's a particularly contentious relationship, I rec recommend hiring someone to help. Hire a mediator, hire a parenting coach, Hire someone who will work with you in this and, and be able to help you through those rough patches. Each parent should really know their own limits. What is it that they can manage in conversation with their ex? What, what are the reasons for the divorce? If there are safety issues, I don't recommend co-parenting. Uh, co-parenting would be great, absolutely. Let's all work together for the best. Um, best thing for the child, but if it's not possible, it's actually better to not co-parent. I believe it was you who gave me the image of two silos and each parent working in their mm -hmm. silo and doing what's best for their child. Someone told me recently, if you can love your child more than you hate your ex, mm. you're going to be okay. Again, holding this idea that, that your child is primary. 
you know, in, in this day and age, um, <laughs> use technology. There's a great app um, uh, found at www.ourfamilywizard.com where you can input schedules and information from schools and communicate about things through the app, which is a step removed from right. the emails that can get long and testy mm-hmm. or the phone calls that can be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It is okay for there to be two separate rules in two separate households. Children are really resilient. They understand that at school there's different rules than at home. Mm-hmm. They can understand that at one parent's house the rules are different from another parent. It is more important that the rules be consistently applied within the homes mm-hmm. than that they match. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay for consequences to not carry over. If one parent says no TV for a week and the child's leaving the next day, it's okay for that consequence to be put on hold before they come mm-hmm. back. I would also recommend not giving a consequence that has to be put on hold, but that's probably a discussion for another podcast. One of the things you just said that I thought was interesting is that, um, did you say that parents could go to counseling for how to to handle the divorce? Absolutely. There are uh, therapists who specialize in working with divorcing or divorced parents to manage through the process. The sole focus is on that co-parenting relationship and how to make it work for the two people and the child or children involved. You can, there are absolutely books that you can read and courses you can go to as well. But I do think that every family is different and needs something different. And what works for one family is not necessarily going to work for another. And what works at the beginning of a new divorced relationship is not necessarily going to work five or ten years later. One of the things that I found when parents divorce when the child is young is the child is easily acclimated to the parents' new schedules. They switch off homes easily. It doesn't really matter where they are week to week. As a child gets older, they have their own life. And they don't particularly want to go to one parent's every Wednesday night. They would like to go to practice or to a friend's house Mm -hmm. or to do whatever. And being able to manage these changes throughout the rest of your child's Yeah, I think that what you're saying is so important because I notice a lot of times when kids get older, they don't want to go to dads on Wednesday or moms on Wednesday or or whoever the person is. They have things that they're doing, and it's really hard sometimes for parents to not get stuck and, well, that's my time, those are my times, and to be able to say those were set when the child was this age, but to be flexible and kind of make changes as you go along. Being able to recognize your child as their own person with their own life, I think, is really important. And, you know, I talked a little earlier about centering the child in all of this. And I don't mean by that that the child always gets what he or she wants. What I mean is that thinking about them as a person who is just as impacted by this Mm -hmm. as the parents and placing the relationship with the child as a parent first. So it's not so important if you see your child every Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. It is important that you have a connection and a relationship. Right. And so as they get older, well, okay, I can't see you every Wednesday for dinner. However, I'm going to drive you and your friends to the movies on Friday nights. Mm -hmm. And 
the quality of the time changes, but it is still that connection, that time. And I think that is, that is key. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think it's really important when we can see the parents. You know, sometimes they don't get along and, and we can't have them in the same room and that doesn't work. But if they do um, have a relationship that they get along well enough to be in the same room, to kind of meet with parents and talk about this sort of stuff. And I've suggested that with kids that I've worked with because it's not always just about working with the child. And parents will say, well, we're not getting back together. We don't want couples therapy. And trying to explain to them that this isn't about getting back together and being couples therapy. This is about being parents in different homes. Absolutely. And being able to hear the same messages about what is going on with one's child. Um, I think that is really important so that parents are on the same page. You know, one of the things that often happens if the custody is not equal, or even if it is but one parent has left the home, is the parent that sees the child more sees a very different and often more negative behavior pattern than Mm -hmm. the other parent. Mm -hmm. The parent who has quote-unquote left often gets the best of the child Mm -hmm. because, well, you you left, you could go again. And so the child doesn't fully feel safe expressing all of their emotions, whereas the parent who quote-unquote stayed or they live with more That parent is the safe one and will get all of the negative Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, And so being able to have both parents here, even if you're not seeing it, this is what's going on with your child. These are the messages they're giving. And here's how you can provide a safe place for those messages to be heard. Mm -hmm. I often recommend a book to parents, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk by Faber and Maslish. And it's honestly great for parents of anyone, for anyone who's in relationship with another human, because it helps people work through their own stuff to be able to hear the messages others are giving and understand when to step in and help and when to just listen and be present. Right. You know, we've been talking about the ideal situation here, co-parenting, and If it works, that's wonderful, but parents will come in to me and they'll talk about, I want to be a co-parent, and they're arguing and cursing at each other while they're sitting here, and I tell them, you know what, that's not happening. Get rid of that idea. Co-parenting is not going to work, at least right now. And so that image of, I think, what we're talking about is parallel parenting, where one person is on one side and one person is in another home, but they're still parenting and working together. And like you said kids adjust to that and they're able to handle it. It's the parents that have the difficulty sometimes. And you know, I read an article very recently and it said the kid stays in one home and the parents switch back and forth. And I've never met a family that actually does that, but I thought it was a really interesting idea. You know, I have also heard about this um, and, and I have also never met a family who's actually done it. I think in many ways it's, it is a fabulous idea because you know, we put so much on our children after divorce. All of a sudden, they're uprooted once a week, twice a week, mm-hmm. some of them, and live out of suitcases for years of their mm-hmm. life. On the other hand, often that sharing of the space doesn't get rid of the issues that maybe the adults mm-hmm. had. Right. It requires such a high level from the adults in the right. relationship to leave the home in a state ready for the other parent to come in. Mm -hmm. If one of the issue was that they didn't share these responsibilities in the marriage, we can't really expect them to share them outside Mm -hmm. the marriage. And so I think 
like all of these potential ways of dealing with divorce in a family, it has to be the right thing for the family. And really thought, think through all the possible ways it's going to work or not work. You're right. I thank you so much for being with us today, Jennifer. This has been really information, lots of information to everyone. And um, I like how you've given very concrete things that parents can do today to help their family through a divorce. Takeaways from today. If you are divorced, acknowledge your feelings of guilt and then move on. You're not a horrible parent. Your child is going to be just fine. It's not divorce that ruins children. It is how we handle the divorce that is important. Give your child the time and the space to grieve. It's a loss. Be consistent. Let them know that their world is stable. Know that co-parenting is ideal, but it's not a must. Parallel parenting is okay too. You be in your sandbox and let your ex be in their sandbox. Kids can adjust to two different households. Know that your kids are smart and they know when dad and mom don't like each other. But always, always let them know that it is okay for them to love you both. Thanks for listening today and have a great day. Remember to subscribe to Parenting with Patricia and join us in great discussions about parenting your child. Until next time, remember, parents are important. You are important.